This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Okay, now this might sound a bit of an odd discussion to choose to have. Right. And I never really thought about it um, before I came across this article online. Hmm. Um, it's actually an American uh, that had written it, I think, um, in a very American way. But it really did chime with me because the whole article was about be- the loneliness of being the parent of a teen. Mm. And I was like... Sounds like a great title for a book. Yeah, this is interesting. Well, as I read through it, I was like, oh, my God. You know when you realise that you had a problem and you didn't even know you had the problem? (laughs) Like every problem in my life. (laughs) Ka-ding, ding 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 a load of bells went off. Um, Now, we we talk quite a lot, don't we, about, about... the whole thing about when your teens go up to their bedroom, and I think, our, you know, we 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 did a podcast a few weeks ago, didn't we, about um, why do they disappear? Yeah, why yeah. do they, they don't talk to us? Mm. Um, how that feeling of, of uh, almost of being dumped, and how they're they're not in love with us mm. anymore, and 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 we're pretty clear on all that side of the loneliness that you can feel that you lose you lose your you lose your baby. It's funny the other day actually, I'm obsessed with Stacey. Solomon's Instagram account right. as we know she's a, she's a very good friend of mine and um, and her beautiful baby Rex who I adore and um, I know the other day in fact I was on the landing and I heard these really suspicious sounds coming from our bedroom I didn't know what the hell you were up to knocked on the door and you were looking at, at photos of babies and you were just like cooing and ahhing. And I was like, what the bloody hell's going on in here? Well, the, these stories of, of Stacey's where, where little Rex is just snuggling into her and making those lovely little sounds and my, my heart just aches, aches for that. Aches for... Because at the time it all felt so complicated having a baby. Didn't it? Oh, my God. But... But this article about the loneliness of being a teen, oh, God, it was just so right. OK, so when you've got a baby... So a let, let, let me just clarify terms yeah, yeah. of terms of reference. Let's get the field of play sorted right. here. So when you say the loneliness of being... I keep wanting to say the loneliness of a teen parent. That's a very different concept. Mm. What you're talking about is the sense of loneliness, not just, say, and it's a very specific thing, of being a single parent of teenage children and the literal physical loneliness of being a parent, because there is that loneliness that comes from... I'd have thought there are many people listening to this who are either, you know, single parents with teenage kids or tweens and find themselves spending an awful lot of time on their own, quite literally, because their children are interested in other things, as all children are. So there's the literal loneliness of being the parent of a teen, because what you go from being almost the apple of their eye, certainly as a father, I'm going through that transition now, with, especially with Kiki becoming nearly, nearly 13. Everything I said was funny. Everything I did was hysterical. Everything I said or brought them into, into, you know, brought them into the presence of or introduced them to was the best thing since sliced bread. And now suddenly, 
I'm just a 49-year-old man with his very sad interests. The magic and mesmerizing qualities of my room of strange collectibles no longer, you know, inspires gasps and kind of laughter. It inspires embarrassment, shut the door, it's really dusty and it's really odd in there. You know, it's... We don't, they're not mesmerized they're not by mesmerized us anymore. By us they anymore. don't no. seem magic in us no. anymore. So that's one sort of loneliness, which is where you, you quite literally, and I do mean it physically and how mm. that also manifests in a home mm. and in life and with your social calendar, you mm. find yourself lonely but you're also talking about the loneliness of what well, we talk about with other parents right yeah so so yeah so when I was looking at these stories mm. with Stacy and then thinking about this article and because in this article she talked about how when we have that you know that little baby and mm. a little baby Rexy and, and then they're going through toddlers every single thing that that you're struggling with you can talk to somebody else about sure Oh, he's darling. Oh, yeah, he's so cute. But my God, he kept me up all night. Kept me up all night screaming with teeth. Oh, no. Oh, God, you poor thing. Try this. Try that. Da, da, da. So if you go through each thing like that, right, sure. from a baby, and you give you give the example of a teen. Mm. Right, so Maddie was up until half past six the other morning with her friends at a party. We share that between you and I. A single parent probably doesn't even that. But we don't share that with our friends anymore. Well, no, because we're gonna they're gonna be making all sorts of assumptions. S- assumptions. Mm. Right. So were they smoking crack? Exactly. Were they smoking crack? Were they doing this? Were they are they alcoholics? Were they are they this? Were they having sex? Were they having So there's so many different things that come into play. I mean, first of all, there's a new kind of loyalty to your child. So you're protecting your child right. from people's opinions. Right. But here's the big one. Okay. Are we also at this point protecting our egos? Oh, what good do question. people think about us? This child now that's grown into an almost adult mm. is a reflection of A, our parenting, because now whatever they're doing is all down to us because we parented them. Mm. B, a reflection of ourselves. I mean, you know, they say that, that that we learn, we have children thinking that we're going to teach them everything, but actually they teach us much more. Totally agree. And, you know, with, with, all, with all of the young people that I've had an influence on, whether it's my stepdaughters, my nephews, my, my own children... I they do hold a mirror up to me. Yeah. I do see stuff that I don't like about myself in them and that's a really scary lonely place to be, isn't mm. it? When you're when you're when the the dawning is like, well, "Oh my god." And you, you re- keep all this stuff to yourself. Absolutely. I think you raise a really interesting topic there though, which is a kind of more overarching topic but feeds directly into this, which is the egotism or the ego of the parent at, at every stage of parenting. I mean, I would, I would probably say that I, if I have, if I was pushed to give a reason as to why most people have children, it's, it's for egotistical reasons when they when they plan to have children. There's, there, it is about ego. It is about wanting another mini you. It is about wanting to create someone in your likeness who you can, yeah, protect from your own experiences, hopefully steer towards better experiences, hopefully give them a better start in life and what have you. Not always, obviously. Not everyone has children in those circumstances. But let's assume we're talking about people who've chosen to have children. Do you think part of it as well is that we want to fix the things that didn't work for us? Is it a fixing thing? It's a fixing thing, but it's a very, I think, with, I think sort of, 
built into the concept of parenting is a form of narcissism. And and it is a narcissistic thing, having a child, having a baby, all of the cooing, isn't it this, who does it look like, who is it most like, who's... I mean, every family spends hours, days, months, years assigning character traits mm. and looks to mm. this part of the oh, family. This mem- absolutely. Your, mm. And there's a little almost dopamine rush of, of joy and pride mm. when something's assigned to you. There's the obverse of that, which I feel, unfortunately, sometimes... <laughs> I carry with me a lot, which is the negative sides of my personality are quite readily witnessed within things like addictive behavior, addiction, depression, all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I think the process of having a child is about us as parents dancing with ourselves egotistically. It is about, it's it's like a cat on a hot tin roof. We want it to be one thing. We don't want it to be another. We want to protect ourselves. And I think when children are beneath a certain age... We are literally, by and large, in control of the narrative. Mm. And I think what happens at this point, what you're describing, which is really interesting, that loneliness of being a teen parent is it's a self-enforced loneliness of embarrassment, fear, shyness, a a, a terror that people are going to judge not necessarily just who our children are, but who we are are and what values we've installed or not instilled. She talks about this in the article, actually, and she says, so things like if you were to find, you know, a spliff, for instance, in your kid's room, how many people in your life are you actually going to be able to share that with without them thinking? So say now now somebody that we know comes and says, oh, yeah, I found a spliff in in, in our daughter's room. With all the will in the world, there's going to be a certain amount of judgment that goes on in your head. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. When I hear things like that about other people's children, there is a terribly horrible, vicious, nasty, evil part of me that goes, ha, happened to your kid, not mine. <gasps> and I think, no, I'm, I'm caricaturing the emotion. I don't literally sit there oh. with a kind of devilish grin going, because I don't, I have a concern for all kids. But when what I'm saying is I think on a microscopic level, we're all thinking there, but for the grace of God, go I. Okay, Mm. well, that might have happened Mm. to yours. But then what we do is we do Mm. a quick inventory of our situation. And it's almost like we go back to our filing system. We rustle through the folders going, Mm. any evidence of a spliff in our daughter's room? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we get into a panic. There you go. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. And therefore, that's why parents will retract in the teen years as they start to grow up and and be sure. You know, and I've got I've got a couple of friends that I'm not going to name them, that we share name, very, shame, we share name, very, shame. very deeply yeah. with what's going on. And we always say, oh, my God. And it's taken us some time to get there because there has been some real loneliness where we haven't been saying. Sure. And, you know, about the darkest things and the darkest worries. And there is real relief there. And what I would say is try and do it earlier. Don't wait. Don't wait. And uh, Because... You, what you might find, listener, is that, and we don't advise on this podcast because we are we are parents that are struggling so badly Sorry, and I'm doing just it so wrong. The merest idea of us. But advising. if I were to give, I think this would yeah. be a moment where I would give some advice. If you're struggling, go to somebody that you trust and tell them something that you are worrying about and you are unable to share because. I bet your bottom dollar they're going to come back with something that they're really so. We've got to break down this to be obviously not chit chatting with all friends and acquaintances about all the sort of the, all the, the misdemeanors yeah. that are going on with your child. But I think we have to question where is our ego 
in this place. You know, with our parents, we probably don't share as much because we want our parents to think we're being really good parents. Mm. We want our parents to see that we're doing a better job than they are. Well, I'll tell you, you know? what I think it is. I think it, it all sort of spirals and originates from the school gate syndrome. I think it's all hardwired into most parents at the school gate. There's a certain... I mean, I have never been in a more hostile environment, and I've been in hostile environments throughout the world filming, and I've never known an environment as hostile as the underlying bubbling mm. horror mm. of the school ground mm. at pick-up or drop-off. Mm. I've never known so a place more wild and dangerous and vindictive and full of envy. And, and so no conversation, I would say, almost, in a school case scenario is a, is a good or meaningful well, conversation. I think that's a no, bit No, I'm going there, I'm going there and I'm saying it. And here's the thing, and I'll tell you why there's another problem with the loneliness of being a parent of a teen, is that you can't remove the fact that, so I've said why it's ego, I think it, school gate sort of generates this sort of wilderness of, of, of one one-upmanship and bettermanship and all this kind of stuff between your kids that then reaches into them becoming teenagers where then people start to go into denial. Oh, no, Panic. no, no. Panic. Oh, no, people mustn't think that. Mm. I've been this perfect thing up until now, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get you three tutors. I'm going to get you Absolutely. two months, seven oh, all days of that, yeah. All of that stuff. But then there's the other thing, which is actually it goes back to something you say a lot, Nadia, which is we as parents are nothing other than grown-up children. And what we bring to bear on us ourselves as parents are all the same child ish, and I don't mean that in a negative way, mm. childish worries mm. about ourselves Well, I as suppose if you say kids. innocent worries, yeah, more than childish, it's just like... Yeah. yeah, yeah, innocent young worries, but we are panicking and we go into a panic and our teenagers are becoming and are about to sort of spin out from our, our family lives, aren't they, into the real world and become a functioning person. And it is about pride. If I think about my eldest girls, you're thinking about how, you know, how are they in a sense representing the firm without wishing to re mention major famous monarchical families where people head off into different categories of life. You know, how is that? How is Izzy? How is Fleur? How is Maddie? How is Kiki? What are they saying about us as a family? What do people think of us as a family if that's what they're being like or that's what they're saying or that's what they're doing? And it goes back to, I think, it's a self-enforced loneliness that we have. And I think panic is a good word there because I think that's what it is. We're like, oh, my God, is this step that they're taking to the left mean that they're heading towards the same mm. sort of issues that I've had, mm. the same problems, the same mistakes? And so that panic kind of puts a rigidity into us. It's like, right, okay, right, let's just let's just let's just hunker down and let's just keep going straight and let's not bring anyone else into this. And and I just think it's so, so hard on ourselves as parents to not reach out to people that we, we you have to be sure this person really cares about you, that's for sure. And that's I also for sure. yeah. And I'm, it's really difficult sometimes, isn't it, when when a when a friend does reach out to you and speaks to you honestly about what might be going on with their kids, for you then to give well, an honest answer. But we have to be brave. Well we it's very dangerous because I do think a lot of people and I hate to say this and I'm probably gonna get shouted down, but I think women are far more expert at, at this than men. A lot of women can masquerade as being concerned and caring, but really they're only information gathering in this parenting situation. So I can, you know, I can hear and see and sense that conversations would happen between parents. And I'm thinking, I've heard, overheard them in, you know, when the girls were going to school. You think, you're not interested in that. Mm. You're not, you don't care. You're lining up the competition. You're, you're lining up the competition and you're just, you're wanting to hear this and you're feigning concern and interest mm. and sympathy to that level so that you can just simply go home 
and feel better about yourself and perhaps feel that you're not doing it in the same way. I think, you know, I think it's I'll very... I'd be really interested to hear, listener, if you, are, if you are the same as Mark, because I think a lot of people are when you say that there's almost a comfort when you hear something's bad going on for somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I'm not it's saying it. that's a nice thing. Yeah, I'm not saying no, it's a no, good no, impulse. I think it's really all, all, honest of you to say it because I don't think it comes from an evil place. I think it comes Survival. from a fearful place. Mm. And, and I think it goes to the very core of why there is this thing of the loneliness of the parents mm. of a teen because we do... We don't, we, we all want to, yeah, we're just looking for a way to feel safer. Absolutely. We're just looking for a way. Also, you know, the honesty of we're also trying to protect our ego. That's part of it. It's not everything, yeah. but it's a part of it. But I also, and that's what we do have control over. That we can be rigorous. Yeah. What is it they say in AA where you have to rigorously look at your own behaviour? What's that lovely saying where we, the, in inventory. Oh, yeah, you inven- have to do a fearless inventory. A fearless Inventory. I of think yourself. that that is really the the nub of it. Can we do a fearless inventory of what it is that makes us stop sharing with other parents? I mean, another thing they also say in twelve step recovery. Sorry, guys, is um, gossip kills, and I think gossip around parenting is a massive thing amongst parents. Um, and I'm not going to be sort of sexist and say it happens more between women, but I think unfortunately... I think it does. I think unfortunately I think it, it does. It's a mm. fact. I also think, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, there are more mums usually in a playground picking up kids than there aren't, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that kind of gossip... But interestingly, amongst men and between fathers... Now, I don't have many friends who have children, certainly not at the same age as my children, because I, I started so young. Um... But where I do know a sense of sort of gossipy competition comes around is always around sporting prowess or academic achievement and all that sort of stuff in a different way. Highest, biggest, longest, won it, got it, is it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I do think that gossip goes... And going back to the fact that, you know, I've just admitted freely that there is a sort of small dopamine rush for a parent when they hear that someone else has gone down, in a sense. (laughs) It's like in a dogfight in World War II. Okay, it wasn't me, but it's not actually a gleeful feeling for that person. It really is about survival. It's it's like a survival of the fittest. I feel like we are all... The analogy is we're all charging across the savannah for Mm. survival in life. And like, okay, if a few go down, that's got that one. Okay, what can we learn from that? Sorry, mate, we've Mm. got to keep ploughing on my head going ahead mm. this is my child wow wow yeah. i mean i think you're i think i think there's a lot of truth in that and mm. i think that's that's what that's but the what. other reason that i i admit to it but i would like it to change is the reason it carries on is i don't entirely trust anyone who's a parent of another child to open up to and that is why I feel lonely as a teen, as a parent of teens. I don't trust that if I said anything to anyone that I wouldn't, on some level, they wouldn't be having some prurient interest or desire that it's not going quite as right for me as I'd like it to be with my children. Oh, I don't feel like I that. I do, and I think there's an additional problem sometimes for me, and this is an odd component to it, but because you're Nadia Sawalder off the telly, there's another element of, and I know Maddie and Kiki have talked about this quite a lot, that, you know, there's an assumption that they can't be going through problems, so that when they do go through problems, it's kind of like, mm. oh, that's a bit, that's a bit ticket. Oh, oh, right, so even if you're off the telly, you get, it's like there's this kind of yeah. strange concept that if you're yeah. off the telly, you're somehow immune from... And I suppose there's lots of different 
kinds of that sort of thing that goes on, you know, children who've got parent, very wealthy parents, children that have got, I, I don't know, everybody can look at everybody and go, yeah. oh, well, they've got, hmm. Yeah. And maybe it is a bit of keeping up with the Joneses. Or totally. Being, and, 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 and There's no that. threat to sharing openly about all the issues of your baby, your beautiful, nappy-laden baby and colic and the Nord... The terrible... I mean, let's talk about it. What's it called? The terrible twos? And yeah. What are they called? The terrible twos, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, what about the ferocious 15s? We don't talk yeah. about the ferocious 15s. Yeah. We don't talk about the sexed-up 16s or the, you know, whatever the <laughs> whatever the alliteration yeah. is for the teenagers. It's all like... We can talk about your baby, your three... Do you remember when we took Maddie to a friend's once? Your child can pick up our child by its hair, yeah. sw- swing it around the room, smash her against and the walls, and anything. at the end of it, you go, thanks for a lovely meringue pie. That was lovely. See you yeah. again in a month. Meanwhile, your daughter, who's three, has been beaten up, pummeled, dragged around the living rooms, going, don't want to go back there, Mum. And we're like, well, what do you mean? She's only three. What? Do you know what I mean? So it's like we can talk about your child being a raging psychopath at six, but we're not allowed to, we don't feel we can say anything. And where is that boundary? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. I don't know where it is. I mean, I suppose... Is it double figures? I'm, I think it's double figures. I do too. I think when they become 10, then yeah. it's a starting to be a reflection of you. Yeah. So if you say something's going wrong with them, you say there's something going... I mean, I suppose it's like any other relationship. How many people are really honest about what goes on in their relationship and their partnerships? And yeah. that's what it becomes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose the difficult thing is that you did have that, that lovely period of time where you could share everything and you could get advice from each other and like, yeah. oh, he's not sleeping, oh, he's pooing too much, he's not pooing enough, he's eating really badly, all of that stuff, and then that's gone. Yes. It's gone. Whereas at least in, like, our relationship, we would never have got advice from anyone on our relationship. No. But with children, it's just like you suddenly fall off the edge of a cliff and you're not talking to anyone about it anymore. I think we should, remarkably, for no other reason other than I just want to hear Maddie talk about us as parents and whether she's even thought of a parent as being lonely. We've got got a little message from Maddie here, so should we have a listen? Yeah. I don't know, I feel like it's hard for a teenager to think about the fact that, like, think about their parents feeling lonely with us, kind of, like, distancing ourselves from them because, I don't know, teenagers, I guess we're... Like, we are selfish, we are self-absorbed. But at the same time, I think people really forget, like, what it was like when they were teenagers. Like, I mean, everybody says, I remember when I was your age, I remember, I remember how it felt, da-da-da-da. But I do think people just forget, like how much it really sucks to be our age. Um, And, like, I feel like if parents could just get, like, a day of being a teenager again (laughs) and, like, knowing what it feels like, they would totally get why we distance ourselves and, like, why we don't want to talk and why we go through all the stuff we go through, like, by ourselves. Um, And, yeah, like, obviously I could see, like, why it would be really... Not upsetting, but, like, yeah, make make a parent feel lonely when their kid's, like, distancing themselves from them. But, like, at the same time, uh, you had children. <laughs> we didn't ask to be born. Um, and I don't know. I think it's very easy to just blame the teenagers for just being very self-absorbed and selfish and not caring about their parents' feelings and not caring about anybody else but themselves and, like, doing it out of spite. But I just think it's unfair because, like, it's obvious that everybody's forgotten what it was like to be a teenager. Otherwise, they would get why we do all of this. Um, but, yeah, it's normal for teenagers to be 
too selfish and too self-absorbed to even consider what their parents are possibly going through. Yeah, and uh, sort of you can see Maddie there talking about, in a way, the physical loneliness she sort of feels we might be going through because she is going through her own shit, she's in her own headspace. Mm. And I do think it goes back to the original thing I was saying, there are two components to this. There's the loneliness of being separate, the separation, if you like, the process of your child becoming a grown-up, entering their own headspace, dealing with all their own shit, and where do you put all your energy? You know, we're guessing about most of what's going on Mm. in both of our daughters Mm. and all four of my daughters' lives Mm. all the time. And then what we have to do is turn to the outside world and, and when we're asked questions mm, about it, pretend we have a, a yeah, headline, a neat yeah, headline about a it. coherent <laughs> argument. <laughs> it's an absolute piece of shit, which is why I go back to the fact that I love it when I hear that it's going Now, it's funny because you just mentioned off camera a minute ago there a couple of people that we know. Would you feel the same about them? There are a few very, 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 very rare exceptions mm. to that. I'm talking about in the abstract. I'm talking about when I'm sort of hearing groups of parents in sort of places like the playground or, you know, when you, you hear parents' forums or people are talking about stuff or you you just you you know it's usually I have this terrible feeling when I feel someone has been a bit smug about something already and then suddenly it starts to buckle then rapidly following it is a genuine concern for the human involved of course I don't want to sound like a complete Mm. psychopath but also the thing is just listening to Maddie there and right at the beginning of this conversation I said you know what changes is that you start to get this there's a loyalty to your child also about what you share about them which you wouldn't have been there when they were little because you would just say anything about them Um, because I mean I can think of a couple of people actually who I know that will say stuff about their teenagers in front of them in front of a girl well of course because they oh, that da, 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 me da. Nuts. and I get really annoyed because we never ever do that no. and somewhere inside of me I've got this real sense of injustice that we don't do that and yet still our kids are like not talking yeah. to us enough about stuff and I if I'm honest I get really pissed off about that well, that's so, interesting. because I'm really really respectful of it I don't go and like obviously we are on we are vloggers we're on YouTube, mm. we are on Instagram, I'm on a show where I talk about... But ever since they've been older, we clear everything with them. Oh, everything. We clear everything with them. And in fact, on the show, we talk about that a lot. We talk about, oh, God, it's so annoying now that they're in age. We have to we have to check with them if they're OK with the photo. We have to check. But that's right. That's the way that it yeah, should it be. Right, yeah. But I just feel... <laughs> I feel really indignant. I feel like I should be getting a whole lot more out of them than I am because I consider that I'm... I mean, I'm a fixer. I'm a listener. I'm a communicator. I get paid for being a brilliant communicator and yet they walk past me looking totally devastated. I'm there with open arms and big eyes and a cup of hot chocolate going, I'm here, I can talk to you for an hour, I can talk for you as long as I... I'm all right. I was like, oh my but, uh, no, God, I want to smash my head against I know, it's the wall. A thank, but that's the thankless task of being oh, a parent, isn't it? I mean, God. at the end of the day, I've always said this, I think it's like, it's a bit like being an alcoholic. You had Everyone has a set amount of alcohol that they're going to drink in their life. And my line on alcoholics is, we just got greedy and we drank it all too soon. Mm. And I think for teenagers, it's a similar sort of thing. You, they have to be able to fill their bucket of discontent to the brim. So whatever mm. they're given from their parents, That's very they have to fill that bucket to the very yeah. top regardless. And that mm. is the nature of being a teenager, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it really is. 
Yeah, because that's why it doesn't work when adults say, I mean, my God, look I'm at them. Doing this. They've got everything. Yes. I mean, we had nothing. We'd go out, we had half a sandwich, we'd go to the park, we'd play a day. And I always say, listen, you can't bring that into their life that, because their life I is agree. what. And that's an, that's an extension on from that. Yes, and they're going to have their bucket of misery. Yeah. Whatever you do, they've got to have a bucket of misery. And I would go so far as to say that even further, I mean, when I, I went to a very sort of forward thinking, comprehensive school, Holland Park, where you had the elite and you had, you know, me and all my friends kind of from, you know, estates and what have you and you got to mix amongst them then you go to college and you meet all these private school kids who didn't get into Oxbridge but they got into your university you feel like you've stepped up they all look like they've stepped down and you're like all right okay that's all fair enough isn't it and then what you realize is what I've realized over the years a truism and this is an absolute truism through being in recovery for 15 years through it's in a sense jumping class from my up my birth through education and learning is that the people who have it Actually, just as difficult, but in a very di- a different way to people who have clearly got sob stories, terrible depravity and all yeah. that going on in their lives, <laughs> are people who have essentially nothing obvious to the outside world to have a problem with, mm. i.e. Mm. you're born into wealth. Yeah, what are you kicking against? And I would say that more often than not, that's... That, when I go into, say, AA meetings and, and, and what have you, is where you, you see people having the biggest problems with addiction and dealing with life and what have you. And I think if you look at teenagehood and the experience of being a teenager, you know, it's easy to think, well, you've got everything. Well, they've got everything. Well, their mum's off the telly. Well, he's got loads of money. Ah, 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 ah. Not at all. Everyone needs to fill that the bucket inner to the brim. Is with, there. Yeah, the yeah. turmoil is the same amount regardless. But I would go back. I think the biggest thing that I'm pleased about in this conversation, and I'd be fascinated to know from people listening in, is that when you really, really drill into the essence and truth of how we are around other parents of teens, we're all secretly thinking, <laughs> thank fuck that's happening to you. And then what you do quietly is you don't think, I'm fine. You rush home and in a nigh-on panic, you go ferreting through every part of your family life thinking, fucking hell, I hope I'm not the same as them. That's the truth of being the parent of a team. And that's why we're lonely. Wow. Okay. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and a little bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adelie. Social media, social media, social media. People mm. getting in touch. Yep, yep. Um, on uh, right. Okay, let's start with Rita, thirty-nine from Sheffield. When I had children, all my friends and family told me my life would change forever, that it would be the happiest time of my life, and they were mostly right. I say mostly only because not all the changes thrust upon me in parenthood were positive. I love my children, and I'm a devoted mum, but I'd do anything for my kids. But I must admit, when I first had them, my social life fell off a cliff. I was in the house most days and most of my social contact was through TV, phone calls and occasional coffees with friends. So I started to rely on my husband and kids for social interaction and my social life became my family life. Now my kids are in their mid-teens, they are less and less interested in socialising with their parents and I'm increasingly aware of the social chasm left in my life. My husband has a full-time job and I'm only and I'm often left in the house twiddling my thumbs. It feels as if my life is empty husk, that the rug has been pulled beneath my feet and all of a sudden 
I've got to figure out how, sorry, I've got to figure out the new me now my kids are pulling away. So being a parent is the most amazing experience and I have a real deep love for my family, but also I can't help feeling that at some level things have been at the expense of my social life. <sighs> loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. Yeah. You know what? Is it Rita, did you say? Yeah, Rita. She's just described probably... You know, as a grown man, when I look at my social life, and I won't go into the unpack all the reasons why my social life has diminished over the years, but it's tied in with drink and all that, lack of drink and being sober. I would say that being the father to four daughters has defined me since the age of 23. And that includes the periods of time when I wasn't with my eldest daughters, uh, almost more so when I haven't been with my eldest daughters, and I'm sure we'll, do a, we'll have a chat at some point about being blended families, stepchildren, and, and the pressures and stresses of that. But I'd say that, you know, my entire... I've enjoyed my social life increasingly revolving around making my four girls laugh, steering them through life, hopefully introducing them to culturally rich, socially rich experiences, encouraging them the merits of all the things in life that you need to encourage and trying to be as good a dad as I never had. Mm. Um, but when I now look at our two youngest, or my two youngest, and our youngest, Kiki, coming up to 12, and obviously on the horizon is, is the day that they both either not necessarily easily leave home, because that's not such a thing these days in the same way, but their lives change. So even if they're with us, their lives become totally their own. And there's no room for parents, and that's as it should be. Mm. It's my biggest fear. Mm. It's one of my biggest fears, is that... The loneliness I feel now as a parent around them in their, as they're in their own worlds is going to just become more and more crystallised. And so there, there is a degree of real panic. I've got no sort of answers for Rita other than I'm with you and I'm sitting there well, thinking, oh, what do well, I do? What I would say to you and therefore to Rita is it's really good that you've recognised that. Mm. So... Rather than being just caught in the in the or, or 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 rather than just drowning with it, what can you start to put into action Absolutely. so that this is not the definite mm. you know outcome? Mm. So it is about gently you know. I mean, I I'm doing it all the time. I'm thinking, okay, right. She didn't want to come on that week. You know, we just went to Cornwall. Maddie mm. didn't want to come. She didn't come. We missed her a lot. You know, in a couple of years, Kiki won't want to come. And so what I do is I think about the positives. I think about what that will mean that we don't have to do, what that could mean, what things that we could do. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a and very good attitude. You literally but... have to spin it round on its head because to just sit with it will only exacerbate it. And you have to make... It's like I say to the girls... Making friends, when I think back when, when they were little and we'd be at the swimming pool or something, we'd be on holiday, and I'd say to them, which friend, which one do you want to make friends with? And I would show them that what you do is you go over, mm. you speak to them, you casually make... And you have to make that decision with mm. your social life. Social life takes a lot of bloody hard work. Well, it does. And a lot of men choose not to put in that hard work. And mm. a lot of women with children... 
I think women just tend to be more sociable. It's weird. Well, because I think get, a lot more mums come up. together. Yeah, yeah they get yeah. gobbled up by their, by, their, by their kids. So, Rita, you know, I feel your pain, but I think what you're going to have to do is push yourself out and take action. Join groups, make yourself go to things that you feel really shy about, push through and make friends. You know, social media as well is a really good way to connect up with Absolutely. people. I mean, our community that is building on our YouTube channel, on our Instagram, is quite amazing, oh, isn't no, it? Oh, no, absolutely. There's a lot... There's a lot of possibilities out there to make and you have to see it as this is going to be my time because you've given so much like you Mark from your 20s well no I was going to say but I've been I've been a parent for a sort of 10 years younger longer than you I've been a parent mm. 10, 10 years longer than you and that's not to say you weren't a sort of parent yeah yeah no 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 but it's the, the truth family. you have but been. I've literally been a so parent from the age of 23 you. well no mm. but most of my adult life most of my adult life, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Who does at 23, really? Mm. You know, you're still finding your feet. And then, boom, we had Izzy. So it's less about, I'm certainly not sitting here navel-gazing, kind of going, oh, my God. I'm, I'm more, I think where Rita's at and where I'm at is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rabbit caught in headlights. Mm. And it's just, hang on a minute, all the ding-dongs are going. And it's like, bloody hell, whoa. But I think what you have to do is say, God, this is really painful. This is really scary. But it's the beginning of the period of adjustment that I'm going to have to make for this seismic shift mm. in my life and not be swallowed. You've got to look for the pinholes of light. What's going to be the positive things out of this? Mm. Because there are positive More time things. to work. Well, more, or time. more time to have leisure, Mark, if you're not a workaholic. More time Anyway, to this work. is going to turn into me telling you off. More time Let's to move work. on. Okay, let me, read, <laughs> let me read the next one. My phone isn't working. So um, let me, let hang me check on one sec. Sorry, Chris. So this one is from Alice, 48, in Carlisle. Being a single mum recently divorced from my husband is a difficult line to tread. My ex had a very different childhood to mine, and when we became parents, our different values became apparent for the first time. He was a very hands-off, anti-rules dad. When I grew up, I was used to a lot of rules, bedtimes, not eating between meals, and so on. Now I'm a single parent, my ex uses the kids in a competition to prove he's the coolest parent by letting them do whatever they want. Whereas I see the longer-term benefit in setting rules, making sure they do their homework and eating a sensible diet. Being a single mum means I have to work for a living so my life is either at work or at home being a parent. Getting used to having to choose between letting the kids do what they want so I can have a nicer time with them and a sort of social life versus being stricter with the rules and them constantly rejecting time with me is a lonely process. I feel guilty that I let my kids bend the rules, but if I didn't, they'd just spend all their time with their dad and I would be alone. My God. I mean, it's... Isn't well, it? that's interesting, isn't it? Thanks, but Alice. Is that, is that Alice. That's interesting because... You know, the other thing that we've spoken about through this conversation is the loneliness when you're unable to share anymore with your friends and with your peers the things that are going basically tits up with you, mm. with your teenagers in the way that you were when they were younger. And this is quite interesting because you've actually got that with your husband. You can't, with your ex, you can't even share with your ex no, no, absolutely. the things that are going wrong. So that's very complex. You've got the loneliness even within a, within the relationship. Because at least, in fact, Mark and I the other day were having a conversation and Mark got a bit itchy with me about what I was saying about one of the girls. And, and I was like, I, I was like, oh, my God, don't say I can't even say to you. 
I can't even be honest with you about what my fears are with the girls because of X, Y, Z. And that was like a weird place for me to be in. And I'm sure Mark's had it back with me. And because that's at least there's that one person absolutely can say, oh, my God, where are we going? Yeah, but I think what... So So what you're saying is... You don't have that with your partner because you don't have your partner anymore and you're having to sort of go against what you even believe is right for your kids. So I'm sure you're not able to share that with your friends. That's a really, I feel I feel for you, that's really hard. And yet it's interesting because, of course, Alice is talking about it and we will do another chat about split homes and, and shared access to kids. The loneliness that Alice is describing there, obviously there's the loneliness between her and her husband. Mm-hmm. What? Is it, is it Alice? Yeah, Alice. I just called her Maria. Alice. No, you said Alice. What did I? Okay. Sorry, you'll have to do a edit there. Sorry, Chris. Um, Alice is talking about the loneliness of obviously being split up and not being able to talk to the partner. That happens in all relationships. You wanted to talk about something the other day. It was about timing. You're right. That just happens. And there is a loneliness there. But I really, what really screamed out of her comments there was the loneliness around the children because... Enacting rules and discipline and behavioural tics and all that with your kids when you know you've got another almost set against you home, which is the, the, the other, pe- you know, the ex-partner's home, you are, you are distanced from your children. You, you, you're, not re- you're being controlled by the lack of something happening in another house. And so, in a sense, you're not just lone- it's not a loneliness between you and your ex-partner. It's also a loneliness between you and your children enforced by the fact that you can't be your authentic self with them because you're, you're playing a shadow game against what's happening over there and you're in a state of fear. I mean, what I'm reading that from, Alice, is a state of fear that if she enacts rules, she'll lose mm. her kids emotionally, if not literally. And God almighty... I mean, you know, we've had so much experience of that. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da. <laughs>